Hello and welcome to episode two of Signals from the Hill, a podcast all about Avery Hill Publishing. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite comics and books of the year, pick out some books from the Avery Hill backlist that we think would make great Christmas presents, and also select our favourites from the upcoming Avery Hill list for 2018. My name's Stephen Walsh, and I'm joined again by the Avery Hill team, including Dave White. Hello, Steve. Ricky Miller. Hello. Kat Chapman. Hello. So to get things started, we'll be doing our three favourite books of the year in no particular order. I think that's fair. I haven't ranked them in that way. Has anyone else? I, I think you'll be able to tell from the tone of my voice <laughs> uh, where my is lying. I won't make it obvious. Your, your levels of tolerance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, Dave, do you want to uh, kick us off with your three picks of the year, please? Yeah, sure thing. So in time on fashion, I'm going to start with a book that actually came out last year which is, yeah, it's exactly what you're looking for in a, in a best of 2017 selection. And I can't even blame my um, ever-growing stack of unread books, which now date back, I think, to the last millennium. But my first pick is, and, and I bought it this year, and I read it this year, and it's probably my favourite thing I've read this year. So that's why it makes the list. It's The Unofficial Cuckoo's Nest Study Companion by Luke Healy, uh, which is a mini-comic Luke self-published, and I, I, I bought... Not off of him because he wasn't at his table at the time, but uh, I got El Caf uh, this year. It's it's a comic about a director called Robin Huang who's putting on a play uh, of a particularly difficult to adapt book. So it's a comic about a play about a book, and <clears throat> Luke uses all of those three different artistic medium to 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 really create some some playful stuff in his in how he's put the book together particularly in the in in comics conventions uh, the, or convention of comics and format and so on playful layouts use of photography and um, use of prose in, in some areas and it's just it's just a really really clever use of of the medium and not only is there that, that kind of playful and clever clever use and and intertwining of all these different different ways of telling stories and narratives at the heart of it are a set of characters all centered around robin who are either part of her family or people she's working on the play with or slightly further connections so maybe her daughter's teacher plays a role and it's all it all interlinks into this beautifully told story at the heart of which in amongst all this cleverness of format is is just a really nice group of characters um luke writes writes his characters so well and there's a real warmth um in the way he writes and there's also a really uh and un underpinned by a really strong sense of humor which really chimes with, with with kind of what i find funny so all in all it's just and, and it's quite dense as well for a mini comic there's a lot going on a lot happens there's a lot to work with so yeah that's that 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 uh, definitely one of the most enjoyable books I've read this year. The second one is Taking Shape by Donya Todd, Donya who we've worked with um, Avery Hill previously with, um, with, her, with her book Butter Tubs. It falls into that kind of mid-ground between illustrated prose and, and comics. It, it's definitely There's definitely sequen sequential narrative in the illustrations. The illustrations were around a series of poems that Donya's written. They're all related by similar subject matter. They're all about relationships. They're all epic in nature. And there's, in, in some way, shape or form, there's, in, in every poem, there's something, there's, there's change of shape. So in the first, in the first poem, uh, a woman falls in, falls in love with a volcano who, through an interdimensional reality, 
takes on human form and and uh, it tells the story of their relationship. In in in, the, in another one, God becomes a mountain so he can interact with um, with someone. Uh, in the last one, a horse transforms into a woman so that like the, the relationship their rider can can become um, more human. So they're all they're all knitted together by these recurring themes. And and Donny's use of language is just so interesting and so so dense. And as I say, there's there's a real epic nature to it. There's everything is heightened and everything is yeah kind of that classic feel to it. And as I say, around all of that is is Donny's incredible illustrations. It's, they're all black and white, but and some are single page splashes. Some illustrations are interspersed with a language, and it's just it's just really interesting. It's and it's a it's a methodology that I've not seen Donya use before, and I think it just really really suits not only her writing in this instance with the poetry, but also um, her her illustration. So I really I got that fairly um, fairly recently from Hex Press, who were based in Falmouth. I'm pretty sure you can get that from their website as well as Donya's. And it's just, it's yeah, it's just really interesting, really. And I've gone back to it a lot of times as well, which is always a good sign. And then my last choice for this year is Tongues Issue One by Anders Breckus Nielsen. It's that most noble of endeavours. It's the self-published, self-published series, which yeah, just it fills me with with as much excitement as it does dread when when someone embarks on such a such an endeavor but um it's an incredibly it's an incredibly strong start and just kind of looking into it he's going to tell this story over the next few years and, and there's already been interest in it from from publishers i think it's going to get collected in in the us and in the uk at the heart of the first issue uh, we're introduced to three different strands of narrative the first seems to be a retelling of the story of prometheus that that is apparently adapted from a trilogy of Greek plays, so you're instantly introduced to this this epic quality that underpins the entire story. The other two, the other two narratives are, are um, and and that could be any point in history. You get the impression that there's kind of an ancient feel to it. And the other two uh, strands of the narrative are about an East African orphan who, um, in the first issue, seems intent on killing someone, which is which is fairly strong. And the third strand being a young man who's just wandering around a desert road with a backpack with a teddy bear in it and who encounters some 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 military um a military convoy. So it's setting up all the strands of the of, of this story that seems to be in some kind of um the modern day part seems to be in, in some kind of oil rich war torn country. You're not really told where it is and, and indeed when, but yeah, all th- all three all three strands of the narrative just really are re- not only the character is really well formed but just really pique your interest it's format wise it's beautiful it's it's kind of bigger than a4 size um it's full color the page layouts are beautiful there's not a there's not a square or rectangular shape frame in the entire in the entire first issue so there's obviously a lot of a lot of playfulness going on there i just really hope that and as as i'm sure he will can keep it up because i think it's it's probably one of the most interesting first issues of any story that I've read for a really long time. So I can't wait for the second one. So those are my, my three best books of 2017, although one came out in 2016. And one might not be finished till 2019. I mean, you've really, you've stretched the parameters of this year as far as they'll go, wouldn't you? Either way. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got, I've, you know, I'm looking at the past uh, and I'm also, I'm also very, very hopeful about the future. I'm also really relieved, as you are, that the Anders Nielsen project does have 
an agreement for a publication as a, as a single book as well, because, you know, this series are great, but it's so tough, isn't it? You know, for readers to keep track of where to get these things from, when they're going to be coming out and whatnot. So just knowing that at some point there will be, you know, a fully formed object that you can get, they'll have the lot in is, is good to know going into it, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and obviously Andy's has got, uh, you know, um, from his past work with Jordan Courtney and so on, he's, he's obviously got a real following, but the fact that, that that the publishers have jumped on it so quickly to collect it, I think it's just an indication of how strong the, the first issue is. Great. Cheers, Dave. Kat, do you want to let us know what your three picks of the year are, please? Okay. Well, I picked a comic from Short Books, Short Books number five, which this year I got uh, my first two. I think they both came out this year. My first two Short Books deliveries. I got uh, number four and number five. And I had intended just to get number four because it had some creators that I really like, like Richie Pope involved in it. And then I bought that and I thought it was brilliant. And then when I saw some of the sneak peeks online of the artwork coming out in number five, I had to get that as well because it just looked so good. And the one I really kind of fell in love with just from seeing the cover was Barbara by Nicole Miles, which is a really short, small little comic, but it's really, really beautiful. It was almost the cover was so lovely that I was scared to open it because I kind of was really hoping that I didn't know what it was about at all. And I was really hoping it was going to live up to the cover. Um, And it did. It was brilliant. The artwork throughout is really gorgeous. And it's just a really kind of simple topic story of a young woman, African-American woman who decides to become vegan. But Nicole kind of just approaches it in a really interesting number of ways just that one idea like the kind of cultural differences at one point one of her friends says you know that's white girl stuff you can't <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> and then there's like social things like um you know what people say about vegans when they don't know that you are one um what people say to you and then how people kind of behave as well um when it comes to sort of eating together and things like that so it's it's really funny and touching um, and it's just a really lovely little printed object. Um, that's what's so nice about short box is that you just get such a range of approaches within each kind of box. You get different formats, you get really small little comics and you get big A4 kind of folding things. And it's all it's just always really good, whatever you get. And also in that same one, there was another one called What is Left by Rosemary Valero O'Connell, which is was the artwork. And that was just incredible as well. So that was um that's always worth getting, I think, short books. And for me, because this year I've been working on a book, I haven't, I've been living like a hermit. I've not been out of my house very much. So I didn't have a lot of comics to choose from of things that came out this year. I usually buy a lot of stuff at conventions and things because I like buying them from the creators. Um, and this year I just hadn't been to any. So I was kind of limited to stuff that I bought online. But actually, that's it's kind of a good way to get a, a good dose of comics often if you if you can't get to conventions and things and to, to comic shops my second choice was from the retrofit subscription for this year which is a really good option and and really affordable too if you don't mind reading kind of digital versions of comics a subscription to that is a brilliant way to kind of just get a range of new work throughout the course of the year and it's always kind of exciting when you get a new one um and the one i the one i kind of picked as my favorite was uh, trump trump by Warren Craghead, which kind of reading the descriptions of the comics that were coming up, I wasn't sure of 
if it was going to be my cup of tea because it described it as you know just a collection of illustrations of of Donald Trump and I'm I always kind of like comics that uh, have a narrative sort of element so I wasn't sure if it would be my cup of tea but I, I ended up really loving it because I think it it's kind of what it is is daily drawings of of Trump that that Warren started when Trump was nominated, I think. So that this first collection is nomination to inauguration. And he was probably horrified to find he was going to have to keep drawing Trump on a daily basis beyond beyond when he hoped he would have been able to stop, probably. It's just kind of, um, as you read it, it becomes quite a powerful comment, I think, on something that's probably, you know, a lot of people have been concerned with this last year. It's it, like each illustration... Um, each daily kind of drawing that he's done is accompanied by a different quote um, from Trump. And it's just quite a chilling kind of chronicle <laughs> of his presidency so far. And I think it is quite interesting. I mean, just to read these kind of quotes one after the other, accompanied by these nightmarish kind of drawings. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And even though it's not it's not a narrative as such, it kind of has these themes that recur and little kind of topics that come up and then there'll be a series kind of a series of quotes on that topic <laughs> so yeah it's it's really good I'm not sure how long he's planning to continue that but <laughs> yeah it's really good and then my third title was Spinning by Tilly Walden who probably doesn't need introducing to <laughs> a lot of people but I re I was really excited to read that because obviously all the books that she's put out so far have been um, fiction and it was interesting to read an autobio book from her and she's just always brilliant I mean I, I I almost don't know what to say about it because because it's just it's just so kind of good I mean it's about her her childhood growing up as a competitive figure skater which is not a, it's not a usual kind of upbringing but there's there's so much kind of universal stuff about growing up in there that that it's just very relatable um and very moving and she's just brilliant at that kind of emotional stuff like really visceral kind of memories and taking you the reader along kind of in these moments with her it's just full of really beautiful moments and as always her artwork is incredible so yeah those are my top three of the year excellent thank you i think one of the best pieces of news that we've had in comics in the last couple of months has been the idea of uh zainab who puts together short box working with pl and i forget it was one of you who told me that like Shortbox won't be affected by the fact she's going to work for PR. So we're almost getting this sort of bonus of having Zainab having a, a position in a great comics publisher and having our own sort of project to be able to collect together great creators as well. Yeah, it's ideal. <laughs> yeah, I'm really tempted by a Shortbox subscription at the moment, actually. If you just look at their out, I think Zainab, I saw Zainab mention the other day, they've put out 20 comics this year, which is just, or she's put out 20 comics this year, which just remarkable from from almost a standing start is just and, and and the quality and range and variety is just is just wonderful i think although we're talking about books i think if we're talking about you know kind of developments <clears throat> within within comics this year i think that would probably be right up there for me just just the establishment of shortbox yeah and she also sells the the titles kind of some of the titles individually as well in the shop so if you don't want to get the full box you can kind of just get odd book but the box is so is so enjoyable to receive it comes with sweets which is um a really nice little touch and just like i said that that she always makes sure that there's a kind of real interesting range of um, formats within each one. So it's just a really fun collection to get in the post. 
I know she's had prints in previous short boxes. Is that a thing that happens in every short box, or is it just the occasional ones? Yeah, I think there's always a there's always a print. Um, it's it always it's always something amazing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think the first short box had a deforged print in, which is like not a bad start, is it? That's the no, exactly. And then uh, probably what a lot of people will find is what happened to me. I didn't intend to get another one just because I'm trying to save money, but it was so good. <laughs> I, had to, I had to keep getting it. Great stuff. I'll do my picks now. Three books from this year that I really enjoyed. First one is Monograph by Chris Ware, which is a massive, beautiful hardback from Rizzoli. So the production values are just absolutely 100%. It's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. And also, you know, the work inside isn't bad as well, because it's basically an overview of the career of Chris Ware, probably still best known for Jimmy Corrigan, although, you know, Acme Novelty Library and uh, Building Stories more recently have, have all received incredible acclaim. And it's, uh, I don't know why I expected it to be, I think I thought it was going to be sort of an anthology of bits and pieces from his career, but it's such, there's such depth to it. Like him talking about his family history and the idea of like creativity in his sort of um, grandparents and various aunts and uncles, and then his own work and his development as a creator. And obviously, you know, you've got personal photographs in there, but just the idea of like getting uh, a blow by blow creator's commentary from Chris Ware across every aspect of his life and career. Um, yeah, I, you know, I love his work and it was a, a, a real joy to sort of flick through. Next up, I've gone for Boundless by Gillian Tamaki from Drawn and Quarterly. Gillian Tamaki is a creator who I would pick up anything that she has done because I think she's tremendous. Super Mutant Magic Academy, which she did a couple of years back, was my sort of book of the year for that year. Um, and Boundless is it's really, it's one of these things, you know, Koyama do it a, a, a fair bit where, you know, you get, these collections now of work from creators that's been dispersed around anthologies or mini comics or magazines. And it's a great way to sort of get them in a bundle. A lot of this stuff is coming from the States. So the distributions to the UK might be non-existent, might be prohibitively expensive. You know, in Boundless, you've got her uh, comic she did for uh, Frontier Sex Coven, which is one of my favourite sort of mini comics of the last few years. And, you know, I was running the small press section at Gosh at the time. We tried to get copies in, as many copies as you could in. It's just so tough to, to get them over to the UK. And I hated the idea of that being something ephemeral that, you know, a few people had read and more people would want to read and people were talking about and you can't get hold of it. It's so frustrating. So having it now as a, as a thing that people can get hold of, read, as well as all the other great stuff in there, which is a tremendous range of tone and visual style and you know she's got she's got an incredible voice as a writer as well as um having a, a beautiful line as an artist uh so yeah that was that was something i've been sort of anticipating this year and it didn't disappoint at all and my third book is how to read nancy by paul karasik and mark newgarden which is from uh fantagraphics books it's another one it's very similar to uh monograph where I sort of had ideas about what this book was going to be, and it completely uh, surpassed them. It's based on a, an essay that the authors did about 20 years ago, where they basically took a single entry of the Nancy comic strip by Ernie Bushmiller from the 1950s. Uh, and in these three panels, basically analysed every element of it to try and create a sort of primer for the mechanics of comics. 
and at the time did a fantastic job and i like the idea of them sort of going away and coming back and revisiting it having looked at it in even more detail so now you get in the book you get a biography of bushmill who's a fascinating creator you know works with houdini harold lloyd some of the most sort of famous names in the arts at the time and then goes on to create this sort of classic comic strip so you have that as a sort of introduction to bushmiller's work you have you know another section of the book which is just this in-depth analysis of every possible line word and idea that goes into this particular strip then you know one of the things in the strip is the use of a, a hose pipe as part of a, a visual gag so there's basically like then 30 pages of every example of hose pipes being used in gags in every medium ever. It's a remarkable, remarkable book. And then at the end, on top of everything else, you get a great selection of Nancy strips. And again, it's an American strip comic that hasn't had, I don't think has ever had any sort of uh, syndication into UK newspapers. So something that would never have been collected, never would have made it over here. And now suddenly we've got this beautiful book that gives you these strips, gives you fascinating historical information and is i would say an essential read for anyone interested in the process of making comics yeah um how to read nancy steven because when i saw that you were going to talk about that i'd look online and is it the initial essay that's online i think i found it as a pdf yeah you can get the initial essay is just i think public domain now and you know is a, a incredibly satisfying read you sort of you look at that and go oh, i've really got a lot out of these three panels of a humor strip from the 50s and then you sort of let me just do a quick check on the number of pages in this book yeah 274 pages they've uh yeah it's it's remarkable and as i say <laughs> but what's fascinating about it is it's when you read the book as a, as a piece it's a real sort of tribute to creativity you know, he took, goes into a lot of detail about Bushmiller going out to work with Harold Lloyd. So he's talking about silent films all of a sudden and working with uh, Houdini. So he's talking about the stage and, you know, uh, variety shows. So they, they don't they don't skimp on anything. So there's a chance to sort of extrapolate on something they take here. And as I say, you know, having said that, there's no there's no fat on the bone. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just all meat and it's, uh, yeah, tremendous stuff. Ricky, do you want to let us know what your three books of the year are? I certainly do. So my first one is Witchlight by Jesse Zaborski, which came out this year from Chatbooks. And I picked this up at TCAF and only read it a couple of, well, no, last week, actually, because um, I'm that far behind on my big comic stack. And this one is about a young witch called Lelek who has a mysterious traumatic past and is on a quest. And she runs into another young peasant girl called Sanja. And basically, they go traveling together and pay their way by charging people to watch Lelek duel with other witches, which is a very cool idea. And it means there's some quite exciting, fun fight scenes and lots of different witch characters. And it's all ages. And most of the women, uh, most of the characters are queer women of different races and backgrounds. And it's lovely, absolutely lovely. Uh, black and white. And... The whole production is just really, really nice. It's just such a great object as well. And I was kind of surprised by it. I, I picked it up thinking it looks really lovely and then read it and thought, well, actually, it's kind of quite substantial as well. The story is really interesting and good. There's a lot to it and a lot of really good ideas in there. 
Um, it, it reminded me of Tilly a lot as well, actually, some of it, but very different as well. But there were, there were certain themes and elements that um, had a Walden-esque thing to them. Or maybe Tilly-esque. <laughs> I like the word Tilly-esque. Yeah, so that was my first one. And then the next one is No Better Words by Caroline Nowak, who is one of my favorite creators around at the moment. And I first found her work through Shortbox as well. I've got a few of those. And like you guys all said, they're all amazingly well put together. And Zainab managed to find some really, really interesting creators. And Diana's Electric Tongue was probably my favorite book of last year, actually. So I was quite excited to pick up No Better Words at SPX. And you are a well-traveled man, Mr. Miller. I know, I know. It's just getting to comics, they said. Travel the world, they said. <laughs> that's that's, that's Asterix, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, it came out from Silver Sprocket Comics, and it's described as a poetic porn comic, which uh, I think is a sadly underexplored genre. And it's about a woman who fantasizes about a guy she knows, and they both go to the same party, meet up in the kitchen, she initiates sex, and then the rest of it is just them having sex. And it's wonderful art, really great dialogue, really good realistic sex, or so I'm told, and not all cringeworthy either, which is um, a good thing for a sex comic. So, yeah, that was my second choice. And then my third choice is On a Sunbeam by the Tilly-esque Tilly Walden which was Tilly's webcomic, which started coming out in 2016 and finished know, April, May, March or April this year. Do you, know, um, do you know who helped edit her with that? Um, I think it's this uh, young, good-looking guy from London, actually. That's okay. not what I heard. Uh, Multi-award nominated. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that was me. So I, I was very lucky to have one of my favourite experiences in comics, which was editing on a sunbeam on a weekly basis, which seemed like a good idea until Tilly started giving me 40 pages a week. And I realized I can even prove 3D as quickly as she could draw it. Um, <laughs> and basically it's a uh, queer space opera, or so it's been described. And it tells the story of Mia from her life as a rebellious schoolgirl to her time as part of the crew of the ship Actis where they uh, travel out into the deepest reaches of space, rebuilding beautiful and broken-down buildings. It's one of the most original things I've ever read, I think. It's, I think it's because Tilly doesn't really do sci-fi that she approaches sci-fi with totally her own rules. And kind of it's kind of like, I don't know, just someone coming out of a room that they've lived in all their life where they've never heard of sci-fi and then going, I'm going to do sci-fi. It's got some of the tropes, as in there are, they travel through space as a spaceship, there's lots of brilliant kind of starscapes, and there's fight scenes, and there are robots, and there's a space cat. But again, it's just like nothing you'll ever read. It's romantic, it's melancholy, it's it's a modern masterpiece, I think. It's uh, Yeah, it's that good. And that is my last pick. Good choices. Tilly so productive that we could end up at some point just doing this one year and all three of us have three different Tilly books. <laughs> uh, just just across 12 months and we're like, these are our favourites of Tilly's books from this year. I mean, the others are good as well, but these are the ones that really uh, tickled our fancies. <laughs> uh, yeah, great picks. 
now we're going to go and have a dig through the Avery Hill Publishing archive and pick out a few books that are, uh, have come out, you know, not just this year, but across the years, that we think could make a really nice gift for someone for Christmas. Let's uh, run through everyone again. So, um, Dave, do you want to kick things off for us? Yeah, sure. So my, my pick from, the, from our backlist is Untitled Apes Epic Adventure by Steve Tillotson, which is just over a year old, actually. We bought it out of Thought Bubble last year. For those that aren't familiar with Steve's work, he's, uh, he, he's, a, he's just a wonderful cartoonist and incredibly funny chap as well. So Untitled Apes Epic Adventure is about the untitled ape of the title. He's actually um, a giant purple hell beast um, who goes on the epic adventure with uh, his companion cat who is a cat and the heart of the story is, is a journey for uh, ape to find his family who he's been separated from and they and he's not he can't really remember how that came about so they go on this journey through various they go they, they get caught up in a flood and they end up in the mountains and <clears throat> then they turn they have to go to the jungle and then they go up into the clouds where the birds live so it's just through these wonderful fantastic settings where they meet a cast of, of weird and wonderful characters steve's art is just just incredible as i say he's, he's just an exemplary cartoonist the the humor is i edited the book so i was reading a lot of the pages um over an extended period of time repeatedly but i can still pick it up today and have a flick through it and find things that make me laugh out loud which is which is just testament to steve's ability to to write and not only be humorous, but also, you know, the characters and the settings and so on. So you've got this, this incredible array of characters, these wonderful settings. But at the heart of it, it's it's a book about the relationship between two friends, uh, which is Ape and the cat. So what you think is this kind of rambunctious, fun story by turns takes a different guys and becomes really touching and emotional and catches you off guard in, in the most beautiful ways. So, and the reason I pick it is because uh, for Christmas, because there's quite a lot of snow in it at one point, and I think it's probably the snowiest book we've ever we've ever put out. So the stuff I've said before that ignore that it's a snowy book, and that's why you should get it for uh, that's why you should get it for Christmas. Kat, do you want to let us know what your backlist pick is, please? I've picked as my recommended Christmas present something City by Elise Weaver, which came out earlier this year, and I I just think it makes a brilliant present because it's so decorative and kind of beautiful to look at it's very exciting to kind of open up it's got that landscape format which is uh, really cool and it's really nicely printed and i think for anyone that likes art illustration or design or anything like that not to mention comics i mean that would make a brilliant gift it's so visually interesting um and it's just brilliant writing too it's just it's like a it's kind of episodic. It's a series of kind of short stories, different characters come in and they all live within this kind of this one city. So it's all these different kind of sub communities. Um, and a lot of the stories end up kind of interlocking the characters kind of cross over. There's a lot to it. You can kind of pour over the pages as well. There's so much there in the artwork. I picked it up when I was preparing to do this and was immediately kind of just sucked into looking at these, especially those kind of uh, spreads at the beginning of each little short story which just kind of introduce the location there's just so much to look at and all these little kind of jokes and little things to look at it's just a really engrossing read about people trying to kind of find meaning in their lives and to, to me it, fe it just feels very kind of current and relevant without 
trying too hard to be about that. There's just an awful lot to it, I think, and it's absolutely beautiful to look at. And of course, um, Elise is getting nominated in a whole host of end of year awards. So if you buy it now, you can say, you know, you liked Elise Weaver before she started winning awards and got really famous. So, yeah. and, that, and we all need that, don't we? So. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do the edition, obviously, where it's like uh, now a major motion picture. But if you buy it now, no one wants those editions, do they? The photo cover with Rafe Fiennes on the uh, front, no one wants that, do they? <laughs> that means you've got, you jumped on the, the bandwagon far too late. My pick from the backlist is Between the Billboards and the Authoring of Architecture by Owen D. Pomery. Between the Billboards was originally a, a series that Owen self-published, and it was uh, tremendous. One of my favourite sort of things that came out while I was running the small press section at Gosh. It's a story of a man who makes the decision to live between two billboards on top of a building. And throughout the series and the story, you sort of go back to why that's happened, how, how's the moment, obviously it resolves itself. It's, um, yeah, a beautiful piece of work visually. Owen's got such a distinct style. And in his work as an architectural artist, obviously he has a grasp on the urban landscape that uh, really comes across in the piece. In terms of it as a gift and also just as a purchase generally, I think it's remarkable value for money and you're getting the full story. But then there's some wonderful bonus material, I guess you call it in the end, where there's essays from Owen about ideas in architecture and, and some short comics as well that are also tremendous and a real sort of showcase of his work. Uh, Ricky, do you want to let us know what your pick is? Yeah, so mine is The Rabbit by Rachel Smith, um, which we brought out uh, 2014, I think. No, maybe 2015, 2015. And uh, it was one one of the first kind of major original graphic novels that we'd done. And we really pushed the boat out with this one because we've been after Rachel for a while. We've um, both really loved her work. And if, if you know her work, it's very funny. She's um, got a really great expressive cartooning style. Um, just her, her characters always they're, they're kind of she, she's very good at doing realistic dialogue and characters that look like they're going to be cartoony but actually just a very endearing and very human and the rabbit um, was I think the first kind of thing she'd done for really all ages like, I guess kids from about 10 up I'd say maybe a bit younger and it's kind of a fairy tale type thing um, about two girls, Eleanor and her younger sister, Kathy, who run away from home. We don't really know why. And on their journey, they come across a small rabbit. And basically the rabbit starts to grow and can talk and things start turning a little bit weird and a little bit sinister. And we're not entirely sure because the girls have this kind of fantasy world that they both live in. We're not, we're not entirely sure if what's going on is actually happening or if it's just inside their heads. And um, it's, it's a great little book for anybody, really, like, uh, much like Rachel's own fan base, which is always as well. It's, uh, everyone can enjoy this book. Thank you very much. Just to let you know, obviously, all the books that we've talked about here are available at uh, our web store. You go to averyhillpublishing.com. There's a little button in the top left-hand corner for the shop, um, and you can pick up copies there for yourself or for others as gifts.
In our web shop this month, we've got an all ages special offer where you can get three cracking stories for £15, including The Enchanting Maleficium by EDOP, The Quirky and Fantastic Parsley Girl Carrots by Matthew Swan, and The Charming and Thought-Provoking Beginner's Guide to Being Outside by Jill Hatcher. And to make it even more of a bargain, our December special offer is free shipping on any order from our webshop. So if there are any books you've been meaning to get hold of, why not take advantage and get them with free shipping. Offer ends at the end of December. And then to round things off now, we're going to do our pick of... The upcoming books, we've uh, released details on a few of the 2018 books that are coming out from Avery Hill. And now we're going to just let you know um, some that we're looking forward to reading ourselves. Uh, Dave, do you want to kick things off for us again? As you say, all, all the books um, we're putting out next year, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, especially the ones that Ricky's editing on and, and I'm not working on because we get to read those as as, read, as, as same as anyone else. So. And there's some incredible ones on there. But the the, the, um, the one I'm probably looking forward to most at the moment is Permanent Press by Luke Healy, who I spoke about earlier, obviously, on with, with my pick of the year. It's, it's going to be – it's a really fun book to work on. We, we, we've just kind of finished – Luke's finished putting the, the, the final draft together, and we worked on that over the weekend. And it's, it, it actually includes the uh, unofficial Cuckoo's Nest study companion, which is obviously a comic that Luke released last year. But rather than a conventional collection of work, Luke's presenting it in a different uh, in a different guise, along with another comic that he started this year um, and chose not to finish because we're incorporating it into this one uh, called The Big and Small. And it's it's being presented as a comic created by Luke Healy as a character rather than Luke Healy, the comics creator. So Luke is creating a comic about a comics creator called Luke Healy who makes a comic about a play about a book. So it's taking that playfulness of the original mini comic and it's just adding another whole layer to it. And it's, it's kind of almost out meta in itself by the, by the time you really start getting into it. So it's, it's been a huge amount of fun working with Luke on it so far and seeing how he's knitting all this stuff together, fictitious worlds within fictitious worlds within fictitious worlds. But it's also incredibly funny. Luke's it's a comedy um, that, that Luke has decided to, to, to form, form the book as. And he's dealing with some really difficult uh, narrative structures, which is quite quite brave in and of itself. But he's really nailing it. And I think um, I think when people get the opportunity to read it, which is going to be around April time next year, I think I think they're going to enjoy it as much as I've, as I've enjoyed working on it. Lovely. Cheers. Kat, do you want to let us know your 2018 pick, please? The the one I've picked to talk about that I'm really excited about is. It's called A Projection and it's by Sikan Wee. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. And I, I, I'm i quite new to her work. I don't really know it very well at all. And on her website, she hasn't got any real complete comics that you can read. There's kind of snippets of comics, um, which I've had a look at. And I just find them really exciting. Like, I really love her artwork and her approach to each story seems to be quite different. I, that's something I really admire um, when artists kind of have quite a different approach visually to different stories. So I'm really excited. I love the cover that she's done for it. And it just sounds really, really intriguing from the description. Yeah, like as, as Dave was saying, um, he doesn't really see the books that Ricky's editing until they kind of close to coming out. And for me, I, I'm kind of, I think, even more removed than Dave and Ricky because they're kind of working with the creators quite closely. And I'm I'm often not. I kind of see some of the artwork and I hit, like hear a bit of a description, but until the books are kind of almost out, I don't really get to read them. So it's always 
like that's the most exciting part of the job really <laughs> um, so that's the one that I've picked out because I've just not read anything more than a couple of pages by her before and it sounds really intriguing so I can't wait for that thank you very much I've gone for The Great North Wood by Tim Bird, who is a creator whose work I love generally. Probably best known for uh, his Grey Area series. And this is another one that um, is a sort of psychogeographical exploration of space and a place. This time, the eponymous wood, which is in South London. And I previously did a podcast called South London Hardcore, where we would wander around South London and talk about lots of different people and places. So I'm reasonably familiar with the history of the Great Northwood and Norwood and the area around it. But uh, I know that Tim will dig up bits and pieces that I've never heard of and also just present it in such a, a beautiful, charming way that it will be something that I'll really get a kick out of, of reading as well just as as a comic reader as much as someone sort of fascinated by the history and space of south london so yeah really looking forward to that one uh, ricky do you want to let us know uh, your pick for 2018 yes yeah, so i'm picking a book called uh, metroland 4 by uh, ricky miller <laughs> don't waste your pick don't waste your pick it looks good <laughs> 20, 2018 not 2019 2018 which is also the best thing I've read this year, and that I've only read this <laughs> uh, no, Obviously, it's not that. It's a book called Follow Me In. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce the uh, creator's first name. It's either Catriona or Katrina. I'm not sure Not sure which one. It's Cat. It's just, just Cat. Oh, just Cat. Okay. Cat uh, Chapman, who you might know from such works of art as Catzine, and this podcast, and it's a beautifully illustrated recounting of a trip that she made around Mexico back in 2003 with her then-boyfriend Richard, who we gradually discover has an alcohol problem, and the main thrust of the story is about their relationship, but it's also interspersed with pages of her sketchbook from that time, as well as explorations of uh, the cultural and biodiversity of Mexico, and it's part memoir, um, but really it's kind of a love letter to Mexico. And it's going to be really, really good. Like, we've been working on this. How, how long now, Kat? When, when, when did you start this? I, I'm very bad at dates. <laughs> I, I actually don't have a clue. But <laughs> It must be over a year, I guess. Yeah. It's probably longer. Yeah, it would have been. It's been quite a few years since I started working on it by myself before I kind of brought it to you to have a look yeah <laughs> years yeah and like obviously your process um you had quite a uh, quite a lot of scripts and then you do very very detailed roughs as well so I feel like I've actually seen the book already because most people would just try and get away with cats roughs and just put those out but cats now going through a process of yeah, finishing those and colouring them, and it's going to be amazing. No pressure. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, some uh, some cracking stuff coming up next year. Really, really looking forward to it. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to all the, the listeners out there from everyone at Avery Hill. 
This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.